Well, welcome everybody. It's good to see you here this morning. Get your Bibles out if you would, please. Luke chapter 5 is where we are. Luke chapter 5. In the New Testament part of your Bible, Luke chapter 5, verse 1, you can also follow along on the screen here. Here we go. It says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennaraset with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. We've been doing this series around here called Leap, Stepping Into Audacious Faith. What we've been doing in this series is we've been talking about how living for God requires that you and I have audacious faith. That word audacious, again, means one who is bold or daring, especially with confident disregard for personal comfort or conventional thought. And so audacious faith is the stuff that that triggers ordinary people like you and me to start living with unusual boldness. It's the stuff that causes us to start living with confident disregard for the status quo that so many of us tend to get stuck in just in our own lives, as well as the status quo then in the world. And so throughout this series, we've been looking at people from the Bible, men like Jabez and Elijah and Joshua and Peter, people who took some pretty audacious steps, who really made these big leaps Um, in regards to falling after Christ. And as we've been going through this series, the thing I keep coming to back time and time and time again is the realization that I'm not just content as your pastor to try to motivate you to start stepping out into audacious faith. But really what I want to be able to do is to help enable you to develop your faith. Do you understand the difference? I could tell you story after story after story of whether it's different people in the Bible or my own life, people who step into audacious faith, and that could maybe motivate you for a little bit, but I want to help enable you to develop your own faith, because when you get right down to it, faith is the thing that's going to sustain you in every season of life that you face. Faith is the thing that will keep you from giving up. Faith is the thing that's going to enable you to trust God no matter what you see or feel or hear or what hormones are raging through your body. Faith is the thing that will push you to live your life audaciously. But here's the thing that I know about faith, and that is no one can transplant a heart of faith into you as if it was some sort of body part that could be transplanted into your life. That's not the way faith works. Faith is more like a muscle that already exists in your life. The Bible says that God has given us a measure of faith. So you already have faith. The issue is that we need to strengthen our faith. We need to grow in our faith. 
which means we have to be intentional about doing that. We have to be intentional about making our faith grow. And the Bible actually describes for us a process whereby we can grow our faith. And so this morning, I want to kind of break that down here for you in kind of three main areas. Because the first step, number one, in building your faith muscles is hearing the Word. Hearing the Word. This is what we talked about last week, if you missed last week. How hearing the word of God actually initiates faith in our lives. Romans 10 verse 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. See, the Apostle Paul says there's only one way that you're going to acquire faith. There's only one way that faith is going to increase. You've got to be able to hear God's voice, which means every single time you read God's word, every single time you hear a message on a Sunday morning like this, every time you hear God speak directly into your life situations, your faith is ignited. Hearing the word of God will, will initiate faith inside of your life. If you missed last week, I want to really encourage you to go online and listen to last week's message because we went into depth about this because it's absolutely true that audacious faith is dependent upon you hearing God's voice. Audacious faith comes by hearing God speak to you because if you're praying God's will, if you're stepping out and jumping out into God's will, taking acts of, these acts of faith, these leaps of faith, if, you, if you're doing it as a result of hearing God, you're going to be confident that God will follow through on his word because he's spoken these things to you. There's confidence, there's boldness that arises. Audacious faith is not a personality issue. It's not for all the extroverts who have these big personalities that can step into audacious faith. Audacious faith is, is not even a, even a personal self-confidence issue. It is this thing where you encounter God, you hear God, and it creates this confidence for you to step out in what he's then spoken there to you. I want you to see how Peter took this first step. Look at this again in Luke chapter 5, verse 1. It says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people crowding around him, and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now, this is really important for you to understand because this is the first time Peter encounters Jesus. Before this, Jesus, Peter had, had never really met this, this Jesus guy who's appearing here on this time. On this, scene. this is the first time that Peter encounters Jesus. But I want you to notice the small, little, really insignificant step that Jesus asks Peter to do. Look at verse 3. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Now try to picture this. Simon Peter had been fishing all night, and they were there, there on the shore cleaning up all their fishing equipment, getting ready to leave, when all of a sudden there begins to be a crowd around the shoreline where they're trying to clean up their, their, their tools and stuff. And here is a man who's talking to this crowd. Obviously, he's some sort of rabbi because he's teaching from the Word of God. And so Peter's watching this interaction happening as he's cleaning his fishing nets. When all of a sudden Jesus gets into the lake and starts walking over to his boat and he sits down in his boat. Can you imagine, Peter? <laughs> of all the gall, who is this guy, this rabbi, this teacher that's just kind of taking over his boat? But then not only that, he turns to Peter and says, hey, would you move your boat a little bit more in a place where people can see and hear me better? 
Again, of all the gall, he's trying to clean his stuff. He's trying to get his stuff ready to leave. And here's this guy who he doesn't even know talking to this crowd that's assembled along the, 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 the lakeside here. And now he's wanting to use his boat. And now he wants me, Peter, to take this boat and position just a little bit better. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being in that situation? But there's something about this man that draws Peter's attention. As Peter's listening to this man who he's not met yet before, talk about the law and the prophets and talk about the Torah, talk about scripture and what he's never heard. Something's going on inside of him. Faith is beginning to stir. Interest is beginning to stir inside of him. So when Jesus just asks him a simple, small, little, insignificant thing to do, he responds out of being able to meet this very simple request. You know, I think it's an interesting commentary on how a lot of us miss the steps and how God works in our lives. Because for so many of us, our attention tends to be on these big steps of faith. That tends to be where we get drawn into the walking on water step, the sun stand still step, the boy rising from the dead step. And we look at these big steps of faith and we think there's absolutely no way I could ever do that. I don't have faith enough to be able to walk on water. We look at those things and we just say, we can't do that. But here's the thing that's so important for you to know. God usually doesn't start with the big steps in our life. He usually just starts with these small, little, insignificant steps that requires us just to take a little step of faith. That's how it was with, with Peter. That's what Jesus did with Peter. It was just a small little insignificant step. Jesus got into Peter's boat and asked him to push the boat a little from the shore. Now think about this, because even though it was a small little step, it still required faith on Peter's part because it was an inconvenient step for Peter, right? It was an inconvenient step. He had been fishing all night and didn't catch a thing. And so imagine his, his temperament early in the morning. Can you imagine doing this all night, working all night, and have nothing to show for it? I guarantee he was grumbling under his breath. All of us have been there, right? Impatient, just frustrated. It's, things didn't turn out the way you wanted to. And so I can, I can just imagine knowing Peter later on, how impetuous he was, how bulldogged, and how just boisterous he was with his words. I can imagine him just frustrated in this scenario. All he wanted to do, get the nets cleaned up and get out of there so he could go back home, get a bite to eat, put his feet up, relax for the evening, go to sleep so that he could then try to do it the next day. All of us have had days like that, right? Where it's just been unsuccessful. Everything went wrong in your life. Nothing went right. And you're frustrated. You're impatient. This is what Peter was, was going. But yet there was something about what Jesus said. This little request that stirred faith in Peter's heart to at least give this stranger what he was asking for. And you know, the interesting thing about all of this is that this one small little step of faith led then to another request from Jesus to Peter. Look at verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. You know, that's what hearing God's voice, his word does to us. It starts out small. 
And if we'll simply obey what God has told us in this small little insignificant thing, faith is initiated, faith increases, so that when God speaks again, there's already something there. And so when he tells you to do something again, even if it's a bigger step, that you're ready because now all of a sudden you have a little bit of a history. There's a little bit more muscle to your faith. So the first step is being able to hear the word. The second step in building your muscles is speaking the word. Speaking the word. Look again at Luke 5, verse 4. It says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now listen to those words that Peter utters. Because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now what is Peter doing here? What he's doing is that he's vocalizing an expression of faith. He's going public with something that was stirring inside of him. He's committing verbally. He's putting this miracle into motion. In other words, he's activating his faith. See, it's one thing for Jesus to say, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. It's one thing for Jesus to say that. It's a whole nother thing for Peter to be able to embrace those words and then speak those words for himself. Because you said so, I will let down the nets. See, it's speaking the word of God that actually activates our faith. Hearing the word of God initiates faith, but speaking the word activates our faith. Think about it this way. Hearing the word of God is like taking the key to your car and putting it into the ignition and turning your engine on. Whereas speaking the word of God is putting your car into drive. If you want your car to move down the road, all of this is necessary. See, if if you want your car to start moving, your car's not going to drive unless the key's been put into ignition and the engine turned on. But the same thing is true. You can have the the key in the ignition and the engine turned on, and your your car's still not going to go down the road until you put the gear shift into, into drive. Every time you encounter God's Word, the potential for faith is born. You've just inserted the key into the ignition and you've turned the engine on. But then it's your responsibility to activate your faith, to put that, your car then into drive. And we do that by speaking the word, speaking God's word out loud with our mouths over our lives. Look at how God instructed Joshua to do this. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. It says, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, meditate it on day and night. And I think... So many of us, subconsciously, when we hear these, this command, it, how we translate it to mean is, do not let this book of the law depart from your heart, or do not let this book of the law depart from your mind. But I want you to notice that's not what God said here. What did God say? Do not let this book of the law depart from what? Your mouth. Isn't that interesting? Not from your heart, not from your mind, but don't let it depart from your mouth. I think it's... I think it's I think what we do is that we get things locked up. And I know for myself, probably the the best sermons I've ever preached haven't been behind a pulpit. They haven't been things where other people have heard because some of the best messages I've ever preached in my life have been messages I preached to myself. As a matter of fact, I think I preached some pretty good sermons to myself, so good that I wanted to take an offering for myself and respond to my own altar call. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? 
Because here's the thing, you know, there are days, I don't know how about you, but know about you, but there are days like in my life where I feel like I used to preach to myself to keep myself going. So many days I feel frustrated with my own consistency. I feel like I let God down time and time and time again. And so what I do is I preach to myself in Lamentations chapter 3, which says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And so I just speak those words over my life. Because of the Lord's great love for me, I am not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness to me. And as I speak those words over my life, I'm reminded of God's mercy and how his mercy can convert my failures and my mess-ups and my mistakes from my past, and he can convert those to wisdom for my future. It's a new day. It's a, it's a new morning. His mercies are new every morning. Some days I feel weak and limited. I feel like the vision that God's put in, in my heart is much bigger than the resources around me. And so I have to preach to myself from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, which says, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And so I just speak those words out loud over myself. God is able to make all grace abound to me so that in all things, at all times, having all that I need, that I will abound in every good work. And as I speak God's word over my life, it reminds me of this promise. It reminds me of who God is, and my faith is reactivated. My perspective is changed. It's reordered according to what God says. And so now I can recalculate my resources, not based upon what I think is possible, but I can recalculate my resources based upon how great God is and the unlimitedness of who God is, that he is greater than my lack. He's greater than what I think is possible. He's the one who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond what I could ever ask, hope, or imagine. And as I begin to speak God's word of my faith is reactivated. My perspective is renewed. I don't know about you, but some days I just feel discouraged and down. How your emotions feel like what it, it looks like outside this morning, cloudy and rainy and, and dreary. And so I, I preach to myself from Psalms 42, which says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why disturb within me? Put your hope in God, for I'll yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And so I just speak those words over myself. Russ, why are you so downcast? Put your hope, put your trust in God, for I know that I'll yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And so as I speak those words over me, it activates my faith and it reorders my perspective. Listen, there's just going to be so many days in your life where you're not going to have anyone around you to preach to you, to motivate you, or to encourage you. And in those moments, you better be able to open God's word and look in the mirror and remind yourself of God's truth. Now, I understand that some of you may not feel competent to be able to preach to yourself. As a matter of fact, some of you may feel like you don't know enough of God's word. And even if, if you were put in a firing squad, the only verse that would come out of you is John 19, verse 30, which says, it is finished. <laughs> that may be the only thing that comes out of you in that type of situation. But here's the thing. I want to try to jumpstart this here for you this morning because I want to teach. I want to show you how to speak God's word over your life. I want to give you 12 audacious faith confessions. These are all scriptures, scripturally based. They are drawn for different scriptures in, in the Bible. And again, I understand this might be something new for you. You may feel weird or awkward trying to preach to yourself or speak to yourself like, like I just did here. You may think, not even feel qualified. 
to be able to preach to yourself. And so why don't you, I want you to stand to your feet. Everybody stand to your feet. Come on. All right. This is an interactive service here. And I want you to raise your right hand. Everybody raise your right hand. All your hands all raised. Make sure your neighbor's hands raised. Okay. Raise your right hand. Say this after me. Say, I commit, I commit. to faithfully preach, faithfully the, word of God the word of God to myself. I commit to use my mouth to speak the promises of God and the truth of God over my life and over my situations. Amen? And now as the minister of the gospel according to the ordinances of God, I now commission you and ordain you as preachers of the gospel to preach to yourself. So if you, need that, if you needed that commissioning to preach to yourself, there you go. I don't know that legally authorizes you to marry and bury, but at least you can preach to yourself here. All right, let's do these 12 confessions. What I want you to, I just want you to say these out loud. We're going to say them here together. They're on the screen. Say it with me. Say, here we go. I am fully forgiven and free from all shame and condemnation. I act in audacious faith to change the world in my generation. I have no fear or anxiety. I trust in the Lord with all my heart. I am able to fulfill the calling God has placed on my life. I am fully resourced to do everything God has called me to do. I have no insecurity because I see myself the way God sees me. I am faithful and godly person. My family is blessed. I am completely whole physically, mentally, and emotionally. I am increasing in influence and favor for the kingdom of God. I am enabled to walk in the sacrificial love of Christ. I have the wisdom of the Lord concerning every decision I make. And I am protected from all harm and evil in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, put your hands together. All right, you can go ahead and be seated here. Now, how different would your life be if you just put that into practice every day, where you begin just to preach to yourself the truths from the Word of God? That's what speaking the Word does. It activates your faith. Then here's the third step. The third step in building your faith muscles is doing the Word. Doing the word. Look again at Luke 5, verse 4. It says, When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've looked hard, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come. And helped them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Now I want you to think about what's going on here, because it's not until Peter throws his nets back into the water that his faith is demonstrated. It's not until he takes those risks, that risk of failure, that risk of embarrassment, that risk of being put in a place outside of your comfort zone. It's not until he took those risks that the supernatural power of Jesus started working on his behalf. See, doing the word of God is what demonstrates our faith. Remembering, remember, hearing the word of God, it does what? It initiates your faith, and speaking the word of God does what? It activates our faith. 
But doing the word of God, it demonstrates our faith. James 2 verse 17 says, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, look what he says, is dead. Faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Which means it's possible for us to hear God's word, to take notes, to memorize scripture, and to speak God's word out loud over and over and over until you're green in the face. It's possible to do all of that, and yet it's still not walk, you still not walk in audacious faith. Why? Because in order for us for it to really be faith, you've got to do something. You've got to take that step. You've got to take that leap. Think about it this way. I can speak all day about this chair and how, how strong it is and how powerful it is and how it would hold me if I sit on it. I can talk all day about this. And we can all here agree and believe that is true. But until I sit on it, until I stand on it, there is no faith involved. You, you follow me? I can talk about it, I can believe it, but unless I do something, it's not faith. That's why faith will always cause you to take an action, to take a step, and sometimes to take a leap. Because it's got to, you got to put it into action. You can't just talk about it. We can't just speak about it. you got to follow through on it. Now, here's the thing. Faith doesn't magically just grow in your life. Just because you want to do big things from God doesn't mean faith is going to grow automatically. Faith only matures and grows and develops in your life as you methodically develop it by hearing the Word of God, speaking the Word of God, and then doing the Word. Speak where you, you hear, where you speak, and you do. You hear, you speak, you do. Hear, speak, do. And as you get into this rhythm here, you'll notice your faith gets stronger and stronger. It doesn't happen overnight because it's little by little with each step of faith that you take. But you'll notice every time you hear the word of God, every time you speak the word of God, and every time you do the word of God, you'll notice that your outlook on life becomes clearer and clearer. You'll start noticing that your emotions aren't being dominated by what's all going around you. All the feelings, what you see, what you hear, those emotions and those thoughts and the hormones that rage through your body. You'll notice that your emotions aren't being controlled by that any longer. And you'll notice that you'll be able to press through resistance that used to keep you immobilized and stuck in a status quo. That's what happens as you get inside of this rhythm. And this is when you start living your life in an audacious way. So that when God says to you, put into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch, you're ready. You're ready to do what it is that God's asked you to do. Even if it seems ridiculous, even if it seems counterintuitive, even when it seems countercultural, even when it doesn't make sense to you, even when you don't have all the pieces to the puzzle, you're compelled to take a step, to take a leap, because you know that when God speaks, when God has said something, that he'll follow through on it. That's how faith is developed in our life. And listen, folks, this is the life that God has called us to. He's called you, he's called me to live our lives with audacious faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. I want to give you something very practical that I learned many years ago. When I came out of college, many of you know that when I left college, I went right to Germany. I was an associate pastor in a German church. And in a lot of ways, for me, 
this was the beginning of me trying to make this my own. I grew up in a very strong Christian family. I have a great, I have a great godly heritage and, and a legacy that goes, that goes in front of me that has really propelled me forward. But when I was in Europe all by myself, how many of you know that now this gets real? I had nobody to lean on. I had no friends. I had no family there. And so all of a sudden, was I going to make this faith walk my own or was it just going to be something else in my life? And so I... Be, I being in a very uncomfortable situation, I, there were so many things that I had to do to step out in faith. And so this is what I started doing. I started writing them down. Everything that I felt like God would tell me to do, I would write it down. And then I would write down what was the result. I've done this now for the last 26 years. And I have what started out in a journal before computers really existed. is now put into a computer file that I just keep adding to it. Every time I feel like God has told me to do something, to take a step, then I'll, 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 I'll write it down. Before I know what the outcome is going to be, I'll write it down. And then whatever the outcome is, then I go ahead and document the outcome. Have I always hit it right on that? No. But here's what, here's what I know, even by looking back. There have been times that where I thought this is what God told me to do. I, there's been times where I was convinced this is the step I was supposed to take. And then things just blew up in my face. And it's easy to let go through a faith crisis in that situation unless you have a history of faith with God. Proverbs 3, if you trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, then he will direct your steps. Here's the great thing. Even when you miss it, that promise is still true. And what I've discovered is that as long as I continue to involve God in that step, as long as I continue, God, this is what I feel like I'm supposed to do. I invite my godly advisors in my life. I submit to that. And even if I think this is what I'm supposed to do and it all blows up in my face, what I've experienced is God's intervention then in that situation. And I've had situations where I, I go like this and God literally has taken me and put me onto a completely different path that I didn't even know existed because this one blew up in my face. That's, let me just tell you, when we, when we submit our lives that way, this is what, how God works. And this is why this, this life of faith is the most ad adventure you'll ever have. Those of you who love adventure, daring, and risk, this is, there's nothing like an adventurous life with God. Those of you who are afraid, those of you who are fearful of this, let me just tell you, God does it little by little, little by little. He doesn't ask you to step out of the boat and start walking on the water first. We know that's where Peter ends up, right? If you know all the story. But he started just simply, can I use your boat? And will you push that boat, just a little boat out, out to shore? That's how he starts with us. But if we're not sensitive, if we don't respond to the little, you'll never be to the place where you're walking on the water. If we close your eyes, let's pray here together. Father, I'm so grateful for how you are so, you work in that small, you work in the little, or you don't give up on us. God, you know our fears, our worries, our concerns, and you've shown us ways for our faith muscles to be strengthened, to grow. And Lord, I pray, no matter where every one of us are here in this room, how big these faith muscles are, or how atrophied they have become because of a lack of use. Lord, I thank you that you've made a way 
for these muscles to grow and to be strengthened. And that can start today. Lord, I thank you that even in our mistakes, even in our failures, that God, you still work. That if we'll just put our faith and our trust in you, God, that you'll direct our steps, you'll order our steps. And so, Father, I pray for every one of us in the room that we would not just be motivated to live a life of faith, but, Father, we would be enabled to develop our faith. And, Lord, I pray for this rhythm of hearing and speaking and doing. Lord, that that would be incorporated in every single one of our lives, that we would just start seeking you to hear your voice, reading your word every single day to become acquainted with your voice, that we could know your ways, that we'd be able to hear you specifically and intentionally, and that we would just begin to speak your word. God, because you've said so, this is what I'm going to do, because this is what your word says, for you're greater, you're greater than this situation. So I, Lord, I pray that we would speak your word to be able to activate that faith. And then, Lord, I pray that it would be go, go beyond just thoughts and beliefs. Lord, it would go beyond just ideas and things that we talk about on Sunday, but it would be put into action. That every one of us would begin to do those things that you're asking us to do, no matter how little, no matter how insignificant they are. If you would, I would just take a moment here because, see, I believe, I believe God speaks to us. He doesn't just speak to me. He speaks to you. The Bible says that his sheep hear his voice. And so if you've asked Jesus to come into your life, if you've given him the reins of your life, the the driver's seat, the control over your life, then he calls you his. You're his sheep. And his promise is that then we'll hear his voice. His, His sheep hear his voice. And so if that's you, if you're one of his sheep, he's already been speaking to you. And I want you to just take a moment here, just a moment, and just ask God, God, have, where have I missed you speaking? Where have I missed you? In the hurry of our life, it's so easy to miss God because he speaks in that still small voice and it usually is an interruption in what we thought our day was gonna be like or this moment was gonna be like. It's gonna, a lot of times it's inconvenient. For Peter, it was inconvenient for him to do this with Jesus. You know, when you're standing in that grocery line, it's an inconvenient for you to respond to when God says, strike up a conversation with that person. It's inconvenient when, when God speaks something to you that requires you to go out of your way. But it's in those, those small, little insignificant steps that our faith is exercised, those muscles grow. And so, Father, I pray for everyone here that you would even remind us of where you have spoken already. And if it's possible for us to go back and and to follow through on that, Lord, I pray 
that even today, Lord, we'd make plans. Because you said so, God, we'll do it. And then as well, God, we make a determination. We want to hear your voice. We want to speak what it is that you're saying. We want to embrace it for ourselves. And then, God, we want to be obedient. We want to do we want to do what you've called us to do. We're going to take communion here together. And when you think about this life of faith, it all starts right here. This is where it all starts. Because you can't hear God's voice unless you are a follower of his. That's what communion is all about. It is the recommitting. It is the yes, God that we do in a very tangible and proactive way. Jesus said that whenever, whenever we gather together, do this in remembrance of me. And we're doing this in follow through of a covenant that he's formed with us. That's what this is. This isn't a church activity. This isn't a religious thing. This is us being able to say yes to God. It's an invitation and our response is by taking communion. We'll do it. Maybe here this morning, you've never really made Jesus the driver of your life. You hear me talking about these adventures. You hear me talking about God speaking, and it's just like, it's just like, da, 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 da. Just, it's just mumble in your head. How, how does that happen? I'm telling you, this is where it starts. You've got to let him in. You've got to let go control of your life for him to now have control to speak into your life and to show you things. It all starts right here. And the Bible says that if we'll confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. For all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Which means this, you can do that right here, right now. I can't do that for you. The person sitting beside you can't do it. Your parents can't do it for you. Church can't do it for you. Only you can. And you can do it right now. No matter how many times you've been to a church, how many times you've taken communion, you can do it right now where you say, Jesus, I want you to have control of my life. I give you my life. Thank you for giving me your life. And in return, I give you my life. The Bible says that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after the meal, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for many for the remission of your sins. This is the covenant that he established for us. Here at One Chapel, we celebrate open communion, which means this, you don't have to be a member of this church to take communion that this is something that Jesus has set for us. And so if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and I invite you to participate. How we're going to do this is there's two, section, two stations in front of the two sections of chairs here. And we're going to start with the front row and go all the way back to the back row. You're going to exit from your right in your section, circle around. If you would just take a piece of bread and dip it into the juice, take it back to your chair and just have that moment here with God and your way of being able to say, yes, God, let's do this here together.